Amen. Well, good evening, everybody. How's everybody doing tonight? Ava, you're sitting in the front row. I was like, hi, I'm John. Are you really Ava? Like, welcome to the front row. Nice work. I, were you volunteering? Voluntold to sit in the front row. Well, I think you get extra bonus points for sitting in the front row. So, so good job. Nice work. Nice work. Well, good evening, guys. We are back, and we are continuing our journey in the book of Galatians, and we are in Galatians 5 tonight. So if you have your Bible, go ahead and open that. Uh, We're going to be looking at the idea of life by the Spirit tonight. And um, if you've been with us, which I think most of you guys have been through this series in Galatians, right? We started at looking at how this church had been turning away from the true gospel and turning back to the works of the law to try and justify themselves before God, to try and find security, identity, comfort, all those things in their own outer workings rather than in the finished work of Christ on the cross, right? And over and over and over again, we see Paul being like, knock it off. Like, would you guys just stop? Like, don't turn away from what I've already taught you about who Jesus is and who you are in him. And so tonight, what we're looking at is now, how do we actually start to live out this new life in Christ? And so we're going to be looking at this war that is essentially something we all find ourselves in every day of our lives. The war between our old sinful flesh and our new life in the Spirit. And uh, we're going to see how the Spirit is against the flesh, and the flesh, our old sinful selves, are against the Spirit. And then how do we live in a way that pursues life in the Spirit versus life that comes from the flesh? Does that make sense? So uh, I'd like to just read the passage together and... um, We're going to actually do something kind of different tonight. So um, we here at SALT think that the Bible is really significant and really authoritative uh, for our lives, and we place ourselves under the authority of Scripture. And so sometimes it's helpful just to remember the significance of the Word of God. And so what I'm going to ask us all to do is, if you have your Bible, would you just stand? And we're just going to stand, and I will read the text to us, but we're just going to stand out of reverence for the word of God tonight. Can we do that? Yes. Yeah, even if you have your phone, you can be reverent with your phone and doing that, or your tablet. Jared will let you do that as well. So, yeah. This is what the word of God says. But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit, and the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things that you want to do. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Now the works of the flesh are evident. Sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and Things like these. I warn you, as I warned you before, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, 
peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another and envying one another. Lord Jesus, as we open your word tonight, as we think about it over the next few minutes here, and as we go into our small group time and talk about it even more, as we think about what our own flesh is like and how it battles against you and your spirit, Jesus. May we understand in a deeper, more richer way tonight what it looks like to live a life that is modeled after you, a life that is full, a life abundant, a life by the spirit, Jesus. So would you illuminate our hearts tonight as we look at this text in your mighty name and all God's people said, amen. Amen. You may be seated. Okay, so we start off this passage right after having come from this context where Paul and Jeff articulated as well last week is talking about that we have been set free in Christ for freedom. And we are to stand firm in that, that we are called to freedom and that we are not supposed to use this freedom as a opportunity to desire or to gratify the desires of the flesh, right? But to pursue godliness. And so here he's saying, look, I want you to walk according to the spirit, not according to the flesh, because these two things are at war against each other. And so um, I was thinking about this and read this old quote from uh, a pastor who lived about 100 years ago in thinking about this passage. And he said this, he said, the problem of the Christian life is based on the fact that so long as the Christian lives in this world, he or she is to speak like two trees, the old tree of the flesh and the new tree of the divine nature implanted by new birth. And the problem itself is how to keep barren, right, without fruit, the old tree, and how to make fruitful the new tree. The problem is solved by walking in the Spirit. And I just thought that was such a great image to see, like in your mind, I don't know if you're like me, but it helps to visualize things sometimes to see, okay, if I could picture two trees in my life, one that represents my own flesh and sin nature, and one that represents new life in the Spirit. And what I want to see is the old one totally dead and barren. I don't want to see new branches, new leaves, new fruit on that one, right? I want to see all the fruit coming from the Spirit. Does that make sense? And so I think that's going to help us as we go through this passage a little bit. So a verse 17 says, For the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit, and the, spirit, uh, the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. For these things are opposed to each other to keep you from doing what you want to do. This is a theme that we see Paul articulate in another place. I want to go back to Romans, and we're going to look at Romans chapter 7. I want to read this to you. Many of you guys know this passage, but here Paul explains this idea in a little more detail. And it's in verses 15 through 25, that Paul says this. And thinking about the law and sin and flesh, he says this, for I do not understand my own actions. Anybody ever feel like that? I don't understand why I'm doing the things that I'm doing. I don't understand my own actions, for I do not do what I want, 
but I do the very thing that I hate. Now, if I do what I do not want, I agree with the law that it is good. So now it is no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells within me. For I know that nothing good dwells in me. That is in my flesh. For I have the desire to do what is right, but not the ability to carry it out. Anybody ever feel like that before? For I do not the good I want, but the evil I do not want to do is what I keep doing, Paul says. Now, if I do what I do not want, it is no longer I who does it, but sin that dwells within me. Verse 21, he says this. So I find it to be a law that when I want to do right, evil lies close at hand. For I delight in the law of God in my inward being, in my heart, he's saying. But I see in my members, in my body, another law waging war against the law of my mind and making me captive to the law of sin that dwells within my members, he says. And what he means is his body, right? He said, wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death? Verse 25, he says, thanks be to God through Jesus Christ, our Lord. So then I myself serve the law of God with my mind, but with my flesh I serve the law of sin. And in chapter 8, he says this, Therefore, there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. For the law of the spirit of life has set you free for in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. For you are in Christ Jesus from free from the sin of the law of sin and death. And so he's talking about the same idea where this this tension that we live out in our everyday life where we are constantly battling against our old self, our own sinful nature, the things that we used to do, the things that we used to turn to in our lives to satisfy ourselves, to gratify ourselves. We constantly want to turn back to those things over and over and over and over again. Anybody ever struggle with that? Levi just said, no, I've never struggled with it. No. <laughs> right? Yeah, I think we all do. That's what he's talking about, this war that's right here, right? We struggle with this. We cannot do it on our own, and that's why Paul says, thank God for Jesus Christ, who has set me free to live according to his law, his spirit, rather than my own. But you and I, we have to make the choice to live by the spirit if we want that life, or we will begin to live or continue to live according to the flesh. Does anybody have their Bible and feel comfortable reading a couple of verses? Noah, thank you. Okay, we're going to go back to Galatians. Would you read for me what happens if we choose not to live according to the Spirit and we choose to live according to the flesh? It's in verses 19 and 20. Would you read that passage for us? Does anybody have a different translation at all? What translation did you read? Okay. Parker, did you say you have a different translation? Why, why don't you give it to us? Let's see. Yeah. Let me read it one more time from ESV. It says this, Now the works of the flesh, our old sin nature, are evident, Paul says. Look, what he means is uh, it's obvious. You guys know what he's talking about. You can see it everywhere because they are basic realities that we live in, that these things are not good. And he says, this is the list of things that are not good. Sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, 
jealousy, fits of anger, rivalry, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. It's a long list. Anybody look at that list and be like, yeah, I don't have any of those. I've never had to struggle with any of those. Like, yeah, okay, nobody, right? In all honesty, everybody should see ourselves. If we're humble and real with ourselves, we should see that we have some of those in our lives. The reality is all of us in our own sinful nature are oriented away from God and towards sin. Our natural human orientation is to sin. It's to this list of things that he just talked about. So left to our own devices, what do we turn to? We turn to this list of things. Paul gives us a full description of what we are like in Romans chapter 3, verses 10 through 18. In case you think you're really good, uh, he kind of humbles us all in this passage. He says this, Now, none is righteous. No, not one. No one understands. No one seeks for God. All have turned aside. Together they have become worthless. No one does good, not even one. Their throat is an open grave. How's that for an image? Their throat is an open grave, What means death comes from your mouth. They use their tongues to deceive. There's venom of the asps is under their lips, and it's asps, so there's a P in there just in case you're questioning. Uh, Their mouth is full of curses and bitterness. Their feet are swift to shed blood. In their paths are ruin and misery. And the way of peace they have not known. Verse 18. There is no fear of God before their eyes. What Paul is saying is our natural, human, sinful, fallen state is this description of our lives here. And if we live life on our own, according to the flesh, this is what we will get. This list that Paul gives us in Galatians is what our life will look like. Sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, envy, division, drunkenness, orgies, rivalries, dissensions. When you start thinking about the world around us, don't you see this stuff in everywhere? How many of you like to watch movies every once in a while? How many of you have ever watched a drama TV show? You ever watch a dramatic TV show and you're like, why do they keep making these stupid choices over and over and over again? You know why they make those choices is because they can't make another episode if they don't make dumb decisions. But practically what you see is they have to go back to this list that we see in Galatians 5 to cause issues over and over and over again. And so if you're watching a drama, you'll probably see something from this list here because somebody has made a choice to live according to their own sinful flesh rather than according to the Spirit. If you saw a TV show that was only based on the fruits of the Spirit, which we're going to go over in a minute, you might think, wow, there's no climactic arch in this at all. (laughs) Like, it's just like, oh, everybody did something that was really nice. That was great, right? No, left to our own devices, we don't bring about good things. Our solution here is only found in Jesus and in new life by the Spirit through him. We say here all the time at Cascade, 
that we want to be disciples of Jesus, right? And if we look at 1 John 2.6, there's a passage where John talks about if anyone really claims to follow after Jesus, he should walk just like Jesus walked, meaning that Jesus should be our model for how we do everything in our lives, right? And so what we see, if you actually study Jesus' life throughout the Gospels, what you find is he's incredibly dependent on the Holy Spirit, And I remember the first time going back through and studying this in detail and not realizing how often Jesus is actually not doing things of his own desire, but he's actually being led by the Spirit into the wilderness to go to somebody, to talk to somebody, to go to a different place. He's following the prompting and the leading of the Holy Spirit, and he's dependent on the Holy Spirit. And if that is what Jesus did, then that is also what our lives should look like as well. He was dependent on the Holy Spirit, and it brought about good things. If we look at John chapter 10, verse 10, Jesus says this passage. He says, the thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy, but I have come that they may have life and have it abundantly. I have come that they may have life and have it abundantly. What the freedom that we talked about last week that we're talking about today that Paul wants for us is an abundant life. Life lived to the full, and Jesus' life was life lived to the full. That doesn't mean you're going to have health, wealth, and money, and prosperity, and all those things. It means that you're going to have life that's lived to the full, and it's going to be an awesome, exciting life. But it has to come based on a life that is dependent on the Holy Spirit. In John 15... I'm going to ask somebody else to read this passage, John 15, verses 4 through 8. Would somebody be willing to read that? Jordan, thank you. Jesus says these words. So we're just about to talk about the list of the fruits of the Spirit. But fruit grows on what? Branches, trees, vines, right? All these things. Jesus gave us this picture that says, in order for us to bear much fruit, what must we do? Abide in him. Stay connected to him. How do we abide in Christ? What are some ways that we do that? Prayer. Yeah. Talk to him, essentially. Prayer. That's a great way. What are other ways that we, would, we could abide in Christ? Reading his word, 100%, right? Another way that we maybe, anybody else have other ways that we could abide in Christ? Worship. Worship. What'd you say? Community. Community with other Christians as we see Christ in others and Christ ministers to us through others. Yeah, thousand percent. That's great. We also can abide in Christ by learning to practice responsiveness to the Holy Spirit. As we grow, like Jesus was dependent on the Holy Spirit, we become dependent on him, and that's how we begin to bear much fruit. So let's look at what this fruit of the Spirit is in verse 22. Would somebody else be willing to read that passage? Verse 22 through 23 of Galatians 5. Linda, thank you. Riley, you almost thought I was going to call on you, didn't you? I was like, I looked right over. Yeah, right? There, there you go. Okay. You, you're spared this time. Okay, Linda, verse 22 and 23. Thank you. How many of you guys memorized the fruits of the Spirit growing up? Can anybody, anybody confident they can just say them off the top of their head right now? Great. Anybody else? Yeah, Lauren? Great. I have a Wana Bucks for you guys later on tonight. <laughs> So, no, no, not really. 
I think the reality is many of us have memorized this list of fruits, but often what we do is we try and say it as fast as we can, and we don't actually think about the significance of each of these components of the fruit of the Spirit, which I'm actually not going to go through with you entirely right now. I'm going to ask you guys to do that as we go into small groups, uh, is to think through all of these fruits. But let me read this list to us one more time. The fruit of the Spirit, meaning the fruit lived according to dependence on the Holy Spirit, not according to our sin nature, that new tree that has been planted in our lives. The fruit on those branches is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Does that look like your life? When somebody would describe you as a person, would they say you're gentle? I know that's one I have to work on. Would they say that you're faithful? Would they say that you're a person of self-control? Were you a person of patience? A person of peace? What would it look like to grow in dependence on the Holy Spirit to produce this fruit in your life? Verse 21 um, says this. At the end of that list of our fleshly nature, these works of the flesh, it says this, I warn you as I warned you before, those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. Many people are like, what does that mean? Because as we testified earlier, like, I've done some of those. So does that mean I will not inherit the kingdom of God? Well, it depends. Um, you can ask me later and we'll do a self-evaluation. No. Um, <laughs> There's a whole point scale and everything like that. It's a grid. No, no, no. What, what Paul means here is if your life is oriented around these works of the flesh, that that is the pattern of your life, that's probably an indicator that you may not actually be a believer, that you may not actually have the spirit in you because what is coming out of you is all flesh and sin. It's not life in the spirit. That doesn't mean you're not going to struggle with some of these things. But if predominantly your life looks like the flesh, then you should be like, I might need to have a conversation with Jesus because I need to make sure I get some things squared away, right? Also, when he talks about the kingdom of God here, when you think about who God is, what we read in this list of the fruit of the spirit, you know what those are? are all characteristics of who God is. So if I was to go back through this and say this, God is loving. God is joyful. God is peaceful. God is patient. God is kind. God is good. God is faithful. God is gentle. God has self-control. God is gentle, if I didn't already say that. That is what the kingdom of God looks like. So when you think about what does the kingdom of God look like, it looks like all these fruits of the Spirit. And when you think about the kingdom of this world, it's all of those works of the flesh. That's what the world looks like. Which kingdom are you in? Does your life look more like the world's kingdom, the flesh's kingdom, or does it look like God's kingdom? Mature life in a Christian looks like 
life by the Spirit. It looks like these fruits of the Spirit. Immaturity in the life of a believer looks predominantly more like the works of the flesh than it does the fruit of the Spirit. Verse 24 says this, And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Have we actually done that? Have we actually crucified our flesh? Put it to death. Often, when we think about our sin, we like to control our sin. Like, we're okay with a certain level of sinfulness in our lives. And we try and manage our sin, and we dull it down, and we just think, okay, well, if I only do this much of that, then I'm okay. That's actually not what this text says. We are to crucify it, which means to put it to a bloody death, not try and manage it and allow it to stay around. I heard a story from another pastor of um, this marketing company, and they were trying to sell sunscreen. And uh, for some reason, they had thought this idea would be cool is, you know what would be cool is if we had a woman in a bathing suit try and sell the sunscreen. Okay, that's been done a lot. They're like, okay, yes, this will be fine. But then they also thought, you know what else would be cool in this ad is what if we had that woman buy a lion? And so they found this guy who had trained this huge male adult lion, and they were like, hey, can we shoot our commercial with you and this lion? And they're like, yeah, we could do that. And so they set up this video shoot for this commercial, and they've got this huge lion, and the guy's like, this lion's docile and tame and everything like that, and so out comes this girl in a bathing suit, and she's standing in front of the lion. They start taking pictures and everything like that and video for the ad. And then she leans against the lion. And at some point, the lion's instincts kick in. And what does the lion do? Mauls this woman. Now, I think she lived, but... Think? Yeah. <laughs> Let's say she lived for the sake of the story. But afterwards, the trainer of the lion was being interviewed... And he was like, I just don't understand what happened. I mean, I've had him since he was a kid. He's never done anything like this. And as somebody else, as I'm telling you this story, did anybody think, you know what would be a good idea? Let's put that girl in right next to that lion like so that they, she, he has total access to her. Anybody thinking, like, that's a great idea? No, we all think, like, no, you're going to be an idiot. At some point, the lion's going to do what the lion's going to do, which is it's designed to kill, Right? And that is the same thing. I think sometimes we get comfortable and we think our sin doesn't actually affect us. We think our sin is something we can just keep in a box and we can tame it and it's not actually ever going to destroy us like what we read earlier when Jesus said, what does the thief come to steal, do? Comes to steal, kill, and destroy. Sin always does what it's going to do. You can think of sin like cancer. When somebody has cancer and there is a lump inside somebody's body and the doctors say, okay, here's what we're going to do. The first goal that they can do to try and prevent it from taking over that person's whole body is they're going to go in and they're going to find where that cancer is and they're going to cut it out, right? And what's their hope by cutting that cancer out? That they're going to stop it before it spreads anywhere else. So you know what they do? They don't just cut that little bit of cancer out. They don't just cut that cancer. They cut 
around that cancer as well. They cut the perimeter to prevent anything that might have leaked out or that might be looking to go anywhere else. And so they cut beyond where the actual tumor in that cancer is. The goal is to rid the body entirely of the cancer. But I think so often for us with sin, what we ask is, how far can I go? How close to the line of sin can I get in my life? In relationships, sometimes in dating relationships, we're like, what's that physical boundary line? How close to the line can I get without actually doing something that's sinful? Is that wise? No. Watching a movie. I could watch a movie. I'll watch this movie. I know I probably shouldn't do it, but I'm going to watch this movie, and maybe it has some bad stuff in it, but I'll just look away at these moments, right? We're putting temptation right in our face, hoping that at that last moment, we're going to be able to not sin, even though we've kind of set ourselves up to sin, right? I'm not saying you can never watch movies. I am saying maybe be wise about what we do. But our focus as Christians should be to crucify our sin, not say how close to our sin can I get, right? It should be how far away from my sin can I get, Because I don't want to look like my flesh. I want to look like Jesus. I want to look like the fruit of the Spirit. We should flee, not approach the line. In other words, don't be dumb. Don't be dumb. We all do this. I'm guilty of it. You're probably guilty of it. We try and justify, well, it's really not that bad for myself. When we think about this list of fruits of the Spirit, that's what holiness looks like, to start living like that. We should be seeking to be holy in our lives, not seeking to get as close to sin as we possibly can. Sin always progresses. It never just stops with one thing. Sin, by its nature, always moves us from God's good order towards chaos in our lives. It always moves us from wholeness to destruction. Sin never brings about new good fruit, does it? Is there ever a time where you're like, I'm going to sin, and you know what? That's actually going to bear good fruit in me. No. Any bit of sin in our lives moves us to a place where we are destroying or damaging ourselves and others. And I think we see this so much in our culture right now. Uh, Michael and I, our speaking pastor here, were talking the other day just about when we look at our culture right now, you know what we see is so much of it is destructing in so many different ways. And what that is, is it's the direct result of sin in lives, right? Because sin doesn't bring about good whole things, If you look at the area of sexuality in our culture right now, would we say that sexuality is portrayed in a really healthy biblical way? No, probably not. What'd you say? Somebody say yes? No, okay. Heck no, yes, right? So if if we trust God's word that he has a good design for sex, then anything that is counter to that design cannot bring about good. It can only bring about death and destruction. And so the more that we embrace things that are opposed to God's good design, what do we expect to see in our lives and the lives of those around us? Destruction. On a side note, 
This is why I think you should vote. You should vote according to values that align with God's word. Because the more that our culture moves away from God and his good design, the more general bad will occur for everybody, regardless of whether or not they know Jesus. Does that make sense? So when we're thinking about fruits of the Spirit, are we moving to things that are causing us to be dependent on Christ, or are we allowing things to grow in our lives that are breeding sin and death? Let's learn to be sensitive to the Spirit and not be dependent on our own. We need to be in the Word of God consistently. God has given us everything we need for life and godliness so that the man and woman of God can be complete in what is in your hand right now or in your tablet. That is just the kids left over. Noah's like, what is that noise? It's just the kids next door. They're making fun noise being and doing what kids should do. Be in the word of God. If you're not in the word of God regularly, find a way to do that. Talk to me. Talk to somebody else about how to do that. Join one of the Bible studies that we have going. The other part is learn to listen to the prompting of the Holy Spirit in your life. Not only for conviction of when things are sin, but also when you hear the voice of the Lord prompting you towards good things. And the more that you listen to the voice of the Lord prompting you to good things, the more you'll see fruit in your life as you grow in that. I remember uh, years ago, I was doing an internship at North Shore Baptist Church in Bothell. And... um, was really praying and asking how to be dependent on the Holy Spirit and to listen to hear God's voice. And um, I remember, simple thing, I was cleaning up trash after a youth event, and I got pretty tired, and I was like, I think I'm done now. And there was a trash can in the middle of our old youth room, and I remember there was a piece of trash that was next to the trash can that I was just like, ah, it's good, it's fine, it's close enough. And I left. And I remember like hearing the prompting of the Holy Spirit, no, John, you need to pick that piece of trash up. And I'm like, it's okay. It's not really that big of a deal. But I had heard this message from Chip Ingram, an old preacher, that said, everywhere Jesus went, he left it better than what he found it. So every time I go into a bathroom, I'm always thinking, like, am I leaving this better than how I found it? And that's a question for another day. But most of the time, I work to do that, right? In all honesty, I love that idea. But so in that moment, God prompted me and reminded me of that message. And I had the choice to make, do I go back and pick that piece of paper up? You know what I did? I got in my car and I drove away and I got onto 405 and then I got on 522 and I drove all the way, I think, to Paradise Lake Road finally before I was like, okay, God, yes, I will go back. And I turned back around and drove all the way back to Bothell to walk back into church and pick up this little one inch by two inch piece of paper and put it in the trash can. But the moment I did, I just remember that sense of, thank you for listening to my voice. And it was something that taught me to be willing to listen to the prompting of the Holy Spirit. Not saying this is the primary way that God speaks to us is through his word. But as God prompts you and leads you to good things, it will bring about the fruit of the Spirit in your life. And if we don't listen to the prompting of the Holy Spirit, we're not connected to him I think our lives are going to struggle. Um, We're going to go into our small groups in just a second and talk about this passage 
what I'd like you to do in small group, we have standard questions and you can ask a few of those, but also go through that list in verse 22 and 23 of the fruit of the Spirit. What resonates with you that you know you want to ask the Lord to help you grow in, in this next season? What is it that might lead you to a more abundant life dependent on the Holy Spirit? What area do you need to grow in him? Does that make sense? Okay, let me pray for us and we'll head into our small group. Lord Jesus, thank you so much for, thank you so much for your love for us, for your grace for us. Lord, thank you that you do not abandon us to live just according to our flesh and our sin nature. Because a lot of those things seem fun at first and they bring about so much pain and destruction. And that's what our lives would look like completely without you, Jesus. And so I pray that this group in here would be a group that would be totally dependent on your spirit, Lord. That you would grow us all in the fruits of the spirit. That tonight as we talk about in our small groups, where you might grow us, where you might have us crucify maybe our sinful nature in our lives and grow in the fruit of the spirit, God. May you equip us to do that. May you give us the direction and the wisdom to know how to move forward in those things, Jesus. May we be open and honest and real with each other in the next few minutes as we go into our small groups, Jesus. In your mighty name we pray, amen.